Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today's guest, we have Braden Flynn from Film Supply Club. Hey, Braden. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> That was a mouthful. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're super excited to to get into all the the topics we want to talk about today. But can can before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in photography? Yeah, absolutely. I am really excited to be here with you guys. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I guess photography it could be a really long story, or we you know basically fell in love as a kid, I was a big snowboarder, skater, surfer, very active and injured myself a lot because I probably thought I was better than I was and <laughs> landed, landed flips on that. my head and back and all that fun stuff. But I ended up, and I had a lot of friends that were in bands. My dad was a musician. He played drums with Oingo Boingo back before they were sort of oh, Oingo wow. Boingo. And so, so cool. just brought me up around a ton of good music and it was a love. I mean, I have memories of my dad bringing home, like he'd be like stacks of 20 CDs from the, you know, from the CD store back wow. when they had those. And so yeah, I have a big love for music and friends that were in bands. And so I started bringing the camera along to shows with me when I, you know, started out more. I, I know Tim, you're into that hardcore punk rock scene. I was into, I was into that <laughs> a little as bit, well. A little bit. You know, and sometimes when I wanted to avoid the pit, I just wanted to like be in the middle of it and shoot photos and loved that. And actually went to school, college for business and was still, that was in LA at USC. And was shooting photos that whole time. And it was sort of like just to give an intro in more into like how my mind works is like, I think it's really business minded. And I think having that business background has been a big driver for some of my success that I've had in photography. Mm. I, I think I'm a better business person than I'm a photographer, but you know, I, I know how to take a decent picture say, as I, well. I, I, your work is pretty amazing, so don't yeah, sell yourself yeah. short you. on that. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, but it's it's because of that background. I have a big heart for a lot of my peers and other photographers who I find to be really talented, or maybe and maybe not doing as you know successful in that. But um, just back to that little intro of my mind is when I was younger, I would figure out bands that I really loved, and then I would figure out local magazines that I wanted 
you know, that would potentially be interested in that particular band and said, Hey, this band's coming to town. Do you guys, I'm going to be shooting them. Do you guys want to cover them? And they'd say yes. And then I would figure out, I'd Google or look up on the internet and figure out who ran PR for the band, or I'd even sometimes look at the back of DVDs or sorry, CDs and figure out who ran PR management for the band. And then I would write the band, that person and say, Hey, I'm shooting for this magazine. We'd love to cover your band. Can you set me up with photo passes? And can I talk to the band after the show? So I got to basically go to all of my favorite bands for free, be on stage. So good. And then I started my own music blog so I didn't have to have the third party. And I <laughs> I was it was at this point where I I was a huge Radiohead fan for a long time and they were like my bucket list band to mm-hmm. shoot. And I got it set up and I had a contact at this one magazine who was always setting me up with stuff. And then the manager for Radiohead ended up calling into the magazine and someone else picked up who was maybe <gasps> like a different guy. And he's like, I don't know who Brayden is. And, oh, and no. the PR person wrote me back. He's like, don't ever contact us again. You're trying to like pull the scam. And I was like, no, just contact, you know, Johnny over here. I promise <laughs> it was real. So I was no. devastated. I had like tickets set up. I was flying to San Francisco to go shoot him. Um, yeah, so so there's that. So I started a music blog. It was called The Noise Train, which I sort of let fizzle out after I started having kids. And but yeah, that was that was really fun and just again another access and had love all that stuff. And so after I went to finish school with business, I was in commercial real estate and I started taking photo classes at, I'd I'd never, at this point, I'd never taken a photo class. I just was sort of self-taught and learned as I go. And then with that, I went back and I wanted to figure out the difference between taking a photo sorry, making a photo versus taking a photo. Mm -hmm. And and there's a difference. So I, I went through, I took the first class I took was I sort of talked them into letting me skip the intro classes. And I went straight into like intro to commercial photography and oh. it was all like dark room and shooting four by five. I'd never shot four by five. I'd never printed in a dark room. And, but it was a way where I would figure out on a one assignment, I would go through an entire pack of paper, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you learn, you quickly learn. And I always tell people now, it's like, listen, if you have not ever printed in a dark room, go do that because it teaches you so much of the fundamentals so of nailing your exposure and making yep. sure your highlights are still going to be in your frame knowing your zone system. So you can actually, because yeah, you can do stuff in Photoshop now, but the amount of time you can save yourself by actually framing well, looking in your frame, making sure your exposure is correct, all that stuff. It, that taught me a ton. Um, and then I wanted to learn how to light as well. So, you know, the next classes went, basically went through that whole program. And, but from that first class, this is again, just a little intro into how I work is first time ever shooting four by five. And in that commercial photographer, sorry, commercial real estate world that I was in the, one of my buddies had basically hooked me up with a property manager. And so I ended up shooting like a, it was probably a 15 story building. I charged, I'd never, I'd never done this before. And I I was like, sure. Yeah, I do that. Of course I can do this. (laughs) I love that. And that's the way I do everything. And I I charged him $2,500 to go shoot this building. It was, I was, I had a Tahoe at the time I was shooting four by five, standing on top of my car, you know, and I probably shot it. I don't know, like 15 different times. I would go there early morning sunrise. I was waiting for, you know, California either gets mm-hmm. white clouds, just yep. sheet all across the whole sky, or it's completely overcast or it's completely blue. So I was like, I wanted just some really great clouds to be, and it was, yeah. it was a mirrored, the whole outside of the building was mirrored. So it reflected the sky. 
So, you know, I needed to figure out shooting sunrise, shooting sunset, shooting midday. And it turned out that the building that was behind me that I was parking my car in front of standing on top of the roof with a hood over my head was, (laughs) was some government building that was like the secret thing. So like I ended up one day had cops show up. Oh (laughs) my goodness. Uh, Yeah. So, Oh man. I guess from there, I just started saying, yeah, I I had a camera with me everywhere. I guess another little story, I went on a trip to Europe and where I really caught the like real bug was I read this book called Learning to Think and See Creatively. And, you know, at that point I was just shooting like bands and stuff. And this, this was before college and all that, but I remember that my family just like yelling at me because I'd be lying on the ground shooting the cobblestone streets. I'd be shooting like the chain link walls. I'd be shooting doors and they'd be like, where is he? And I'd be back like two (laughs) blocks from where they were. Um, yeah. So I guess that's, that's a long way. And then from there, I guess I just always had a camera with me. I said yes to absolutely everything. Of course I'm a photographer It's like, yeah, I'm a photographer. I'll shoot that. And I had buddies that were starting magazines. So I'd shoot all their parties and got into more fashion photography where I had other friends. I, I'm down in Orange County and by the beach and a lot of friends of mine worked in the surf industry. We're sort of surf mm-hmm. industry Mecca right here. Yeah. So friends that would start working for either Hurley or Billabong or Volcom. And then they ended up either starting their own clothes or they became designers. And so I started shooting their stuff, which is more lifestyle and wanted to be more of a fashion photographer. I was idols of, you know, Richard Avedon's and, and all mm-hmm. those guys. And I get, yeah, from there I fell into weddings, which I was avoiding for a long time because it's, <laughs> it's sort of like that in the commercial photography world, which I feel like a lot of your audience is a little bit cooler than the wedding world, but, <laughs> um, with weddings, it's sort of like, I mean, I've been doing it for 12 years full time now. So at that point it was like, Oh, that's cute. You shoot weddings versus yeah. like being a really cool commercial photographer. And, but so I avoided them. But when I had a couple of friends that were from that design world, from that fashion world that were getting married and they have really good looking friends and really cool, mm-hmm. unique locations with amazing styles. Like, uh, yeah, let's do this. And they wanted something not quite as traditional. Let's shoot a little bit more editorial. Can you do it basically the way that you've been shooting our, our lines? And it, it was like the first couple of weddings I, fe- I shot, got featured in tons of places. And then from nice. there, I started getting a lot of inquiries and it's like, okay. Like I also realized that I, I really love it. I love being under pressure. I love mm-hmm. having to think on my toes. I love directing. And then also I'm, I would say like, Every time I'm meeting with a couple that wants to work with me, I I always try to FaceTime with them or talk to them because I feel like the thing that I do really well is I'm a good salesman. But then also like <laughs> the way that I connect with the people that I'm shooting and get them to be in front of the camera, you know, those those are the things that I do really well is I get people to be comfortable with me and in front of me so I can get them to sh- basically like look candid and natural, but also good. Man, yeah. uh, you, I mean, yes, you, you nail it. I mean, we've been talking really for about 30 minutes and I feel like I've known you my whole life so you're doing you, you do a great job at that oh thank you <laughs> you're welcome yeah so so that's I guess that now I've been I have been shooting weddings full-time for pretty much 12 years and that's I mean con- went my first like three years I was shooting 60 to 65 weddings a year wow. plus engagement shoots plus bands three to four nights a week plus family shoots. Um, so I was, and then I was also taking on, I was doing more like fashion editorial. So I was doing a lot. 
Man. Is it just you when you shoot those, like 60 weddings a year or? No, I always, then I always had one person with me. Now I always have two people with me, sometimes more. Oh, that's cool. That, that probably makes it a little a little easier to handle yeah. that. Yeah. Man. So how many weddings are you doing a year now? Like, are you still up to that? No, you know? no, no. No. Um, that was... That was crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was shooting three to four <laughs> weddings in a weekend with travel in between them. The now I shoot somewhere around twenty, probably like fifteen to twenty. And, That's a good number. But most of them now, instead of doing like two to three in a weekend, now I am doing just one a weekend. But they're typically destination, so I am shooting. Some I'm sometimes arriving Wednesday or Thursday, and I'm leaving Sunday or Monday. So I'm shooting like let's say it's in. I shot one in Anguilla or St. Bart's and they show up. It's a welcome dinner. And then, I mean, it's a day of travel to get there. And then the next day they've got a boat day or a beach day and I'm shooting that. And then there's a little break and then there's the rehearsal dinner and then there's the wedding and then there's a farewell brunch. So it's this whole thing where I become a part of the weekend, which is yeah. really great. And yeah, and I, I leave literally giving hugs to guests and it's like, beca- literally become a friend, you know, and That's it amazing. just sort of helps to be able to blend in and just be a part of it. Man, that is, that is the way to do it. Right I was going to say, that's like, the dream. That's the dream. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's awesome. I, I'm going to say that, but <laughs> yeah. it's also seems way sexier than it is. You know, sure. once, once I've so many of my friends that shoot most, mostly destination, it, like, dude, if I was single, it would be a dream. We'll just, oh, yeah. we'll just go there. Yeah. It would be a dream. Yeah. I yeah. love traveling. I love doing that. I love being a part of like big events. And, but with, I have four kids and my wife. It's and so it's put a big burden on the family with me being gone that much. Like I would have months in the summer where I'm shooting back to back East coast where I'm gone four days, home three days, gone four days for two to three months straight. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. So that can take a toll. Yeah. And then she's single mom in it. And then it's just, you know, (laughs) she's and then I get home. She's exhausted. It's hard relationally. And, you know, all those fun. Yeah, that that is the tough part with doing stuff like that, especially with a with a family. Yeah. Yeah. You got to take them on your next uh, really nice destination. Make it up I to am. Them. They're coming with me to Hawaii at the <laughs> oh, end of nice. this month. There you yeah. go. I'm happy about that one, I hope. Totally. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> and we'll get into that too. But with Film film Supply Club, I, I have to purchase all the inventory. And mm-hmm. so all of that is done through credit cards. And so I basically can fly my whole family to Hawaii oh, sure, and sure. stay for free. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's miles. great. I, lo- <laughs> I love that. Man. So is so are the weddings like is that is that your primary gig with you know with the photography thing are you doing any editorial or anything else kind of photography related these days Yeah I guess the most not editorial but the other paid gigs that I'm doing would be uh that's a lie I am doing editorial I I consider editorial my sort of personal work that I'm mm. doing for mm-hmm. fun cuz usually it's I mean pay if it's paid it's so minuscule and if anything it's just like a project to have a shoot and i have a youtube channel as well and so typically i'm doing that's hey listen you're you don't have a budget Mm -hmm. how about i bring on a video guy which i'm sometimes paying to come and and document the deal so then i can have more behind the scenes of this shoot so now it's like okay i'm shooting for free it's going to be cool content they're doing something around this, whether it's a cool car or location, something like that. But then I can now have some content that I can use for something else. Yeah, that's a great idea. Good. Good way to, what is it? 
kill two birds with one mm-hmm. stone. Is that the is that the saying? Yeah, um, but I know I know you, uh, Chris, wanted to get into some more of the other things that I'm doing. I mean, yeah, I so I was uh, you know checking out your stuff earlier before we hopped on, and one of your videos you mentioned being like an entrepreneurial. So, and I'm like super into that. I've got you know we I mean Timothy and I we, we have the podcast and our YouTube channels, and I'm like producing a podcast for a friend of mine. So I've always been kind of into that aspect of it. Even like when I first got into photography, I was shooting my boyfriend at the time's band and I was like, well, like sort of like quasi manager as well. Like I would yeah. go in the dark room and print four, like four by five by sevens and stuff them in envelopes and like mail them out to record labels. So I've always had like that kind of like mindset. So I just like wanted to kind of pick your brain about like what kind of projects you have going on right now. Yeah, totally. So the different things that I have going on, and and I would say I definitely have an entrepreneurial brain as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the, I I now have to stop myself from starting something new because yeah. I am pretty full <laughs> on my plate. But oh, yeah. in there's, yeah, my, my eyes are always bigger than my stomach in that regard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so the different things that I'm doing, I started, we were talking sort of pre-roll on, you know, about our different podcasts and stuff like that. But I, I started just out of interest. I have so many friends that are really, really talented, like crazy talented. And I was always intrigued by people who were really talented, but never did anything with their mm-hmm. art or craft. Mm-hmm. And, and that's totally fine unless it's something you're wanting to do, but you're not making it happen. Some people just want to do their art to do their art. And that is great. Do art for art's sake, because also I, I educate other photographers too. And I'll say, don't quit your day job. And sometimes if you're taking this thing that you are taking as your hobby and your passion, and all of a sudden you have to make your full-time living doing that, it can suck the life out of that passion and hobby. Yep. We've Ooh, talked about yeah. that a bunch on the show for sure. Yeah. And, and also like, the other thing too is you you never want to put yourself in a position where you're desperate because nobody wants to date a desperate, you know, girl or guy. Nobody <laughs> yeah. wants to hire somebody who's desperate. And and it's it's evident, you know. So yeah, as long as you can be in a position, it's like, listen, I don't have to take this job. Like, don't if you have another sor- source of income, and that was sort of me back when I first started out. I was like, I didn't have to shoot weddings. I was mm-hmm. only saying yes to gigs that I wanted to say yes to. And so that was pre-12 years ago. And then when we had our first kid, I decided to go full time with weddings. I had like, I only had three weddings on the book. It was December and we decided to go full time with photography and leave the other job that I was doing. And basically Scary. went, Scary yeah, time. went, went Baby from on there the way. about to have our first kid. And, and between the last weekend of April and December 31st, that's a year I shot 65 weddings. Wow. <laughs> so that was pretty nuts. But yeah, so with within all of that i started doing i was like and i was also i listened to a ton of podcasts i consume content i read tons of books and business books and i was like i could do this and i in my head i you know you generally start something because you feel like you can either do it as good or better than the other stuff that you hear and yes. so i just wanted to also have access to just like go deeper with some of my friends and really drag out some of these stories and then also have access to other people that i'm not as connected with and with my genius brain, that's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm joking with that. I just, I decided <laughs> that it, the best route instead of doing a podcast would be to start doing video, which I had never done. I'd never worked with audio. I'd never, you know, any of those sort of things. And so I went, I decided to start a video vlog, I guess. Not a, not a, is it only a vlog when you're doing it personally? So 
basically was a no no i think it's i mean are they anything all can really be vlogs yeah right. i think i guess i yeah so basically video interviews with other creative entrepreneurs and i decided not to interview photographers which was my world because i didn't want people to think i'm just interviewing photographers which was also silly because that's my main connections and that's the no, the area that i'm known <laughs> in um so then from in it also required me to be like, you're in Nashville, Chris, you're in LA, I'm mm-hmm. in Orange County. The We can do this right now sitting at computers where doing video, I would bring a video crew. I would have to be on location. Yeah. Granted, it was like, it's such a different experience doing it that way, but it really fun. So I, I also now just started a podcast called, so I have the Artist Report, which is mostly non-photographers and it's all of them are really going about the business side of being an artist. Right. I'm really intrigued by that. So yeah. there's the artist report and then that you can find that on YouTube. And then there's also the photo report podcast. So, and then, yeah. And that's again, the business side of being a photographer. And then I launched recently about a year ago, a company <laughs> called film supply club. Yes. And tell that, us about that. Yeah. So that was sparked out of, I, I sh- shoot film for all of my weddings. You know, I shoot about, somewhere between 40 to 80 rolls a wedding, depending on wow. the weekend and the deal. And I mean, during the day I'm shooting only film. I, I don't touch digital till it's nighttime or, um, <laughs> and I, I wear about four to five cameras on me at a time. Yeah. I, I saw, I saw the video. I was like, <laughs> how is he, how many do you use to four or five? That's crazy. Yeah. I have, I have been starting d- doing with two cause you're going to wear them like a, like a holster. Yep. Um, and that's like a lot for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I usually have two medium formats and two 35 millimeters and I keep black and white on the left side of my body just so I know always when I grab for something on my left, it's black and white and color on the right side of my body. Oh, I love it. That's I so love cool. That. <laughs> yeah. Because I, there was too many times when I shot something, it was like details, decor, and I shot it on black and white and I was like, no. <laughs> um, so, so now I, I make sure everything is in its right place. But yeah, so I have a lot of friends I'm connected with. I would say, especially in the wedding industry, I would say the top influencers, the top shooters in that space that shoot film. And I I, I mean, I'm not like the top, but I'm, I am known in that space as well for shooting film. And so from there, I get a lot of my ideas in the gym. I... I listened to tons of either it's either podcasts or audiobooks and I was listening to this book and it was called The Automatic Customer and just talking about the idea of I I'm so bent going back to like entrepreneurship and business mm-hmm. is like I'm, I'm just getting older and having a family and trying to think of the future is this idea of being gig based and everything right now is gig based and yep. it's you know I could be having the best most successful year and the next year comes and you're back at Scary. ground zero and you yeah. have to book a certain amount to pay bills and my bills are really high um, <laughs> another piece of advice would be keep your bills as low as possible yep. you know and <laughs> save as much money as you can and and all that but yeah so I was listening to this and this whole idea of recurring revenue. And then all of a sudden this idea came to me. It's like, whoa, what if I could like for all my friends, save them money? Uh, Basically I'd charge a membership fee, sort of like how Costco works. But then as a Mm -hmm. member you get in and you're able to buy film at wholesale. And so I, I was in, when I first started, I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to basically sell the film as low as I possibly can without losing money and only make money on my end on the membership. So it's like, if people are paying a membership fee, they're going to be saving a ton of money. And yeah. in a lot of the friends that I shoot, like if you think about it, if I'm shooting like 50 to 70 rolls, a wedding, an event, you know, I'm, 
I'm shooting a lot of film and a lot of the friends that I have shoot that volume or they shoot similar volumes. And so at those quantities, film gets really expensive. Yeah. And, and on top of, so that was the whole premise behind it. And I got, you know, the, I was able to talk. I knew one of the reps from, I knew reps from Kodak and Fuji from being at different conferences and speaking at places. And I, I just gave him a call and I was like, Hey, this is my idea. What do you think? And basically it was like, I love it. I love, because the whole, the whole heart behind it was, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to support the film shooting community, right, you know, it's like, say, how can I take, keep shooting film? Yeah, exactly. And, and also it's not, I mean, it is a shop, but it's also a community. And I've, I've tried to foster that through Instagram. I haven't quite, I'm trying to, I, my dream is to do meetups in all these different cities because mm-hmm. it's all over the country. But at the same time, I, it falls back to me and my ability to travel anymore that I'm already traveling. Yeah. Oh, sure. But it's been neat. We have something around 600 members and wow. we're That's awesome. moving. I just got distribution in Australia and setting up base in Australia because we had a few Australian members that I was, it was costing like 140 bucks to ship film over there. So I just, as of today, I got like thumbs up distribution from Kodak and Fuji and a fulfillment center over there. So we're going to start shipping out film out in Australia. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, but it's been really, really fun doing that. Now, do you do all that like in-house? Like, is it just kind of you doing it or do you have a team or what? Yeah. How does that work? Totally. It is that good old entrepreneurial story of when I did this, I, I mean, the, the whole idea that I had was just like, take care of my people. And so Mm -hmm. I was, I was, I have another buddy who does letterpress and he printed a bunch of boxes for me. So I had really great and I made some tape with my logo. So all of the boxes were branded well. And then I, I literally for every order did a handwritten note and sent it out. And I would, I would be, sometimes I was able to go to some of these conferences and have Kodak give me a bunch of stuff, whether there was uh, chapstick that has the Kodak, you know, label. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Some of the Kodak pins, or sometimes I would collect a bunch of extra shirts from the trade shows, and so I was throwing in free stuff. And yeah, so I was literally packing film and boxes on my ironing board, and then all of a sudden I moved to a tool bench, and then I got the neighbor kid across <laughs> the street to come help me. And I was, I've got on Instagram stories for Film Supply Club. You can look back and probably see me having my kids would take me, we would end up, I got one of those wagons from Amazon that like a big beach wagon that folds up. And then we'd have, eventually we started having boxes of film to like at the end of the day and my kids would be pulling the wagon. They'd be helping me do that. (laughs) Eventually I, I had a buddy with a warehouse that let me move in there. And because we had our fourth kid and my just having, and I had hired two people to help actually do the packing and shipping because at a certain point I was, I mean, they were here all day packing boxes and we, we basically, we ramped up pretty quick. So within the community that I have the word spread and again, er, people would get a box and they'd Instagram story it and opening, you know, so then all of a sudden started happening. And just earlier this year, I ended up getting, working with a fulfillment house, like 3PL. So all of that is now taken care of because I'm trying, it also was at the point where if one of these guys who was helping me working for me doing this couldn't show up it all fell back on me and then i'd have an entire day where i was just packing boxes and then with my travel schedule when that was coming up i was like how in the world am i going to do this yeah and you know it's when people are ordering like no one is really that good at not procrastinating yeah (laughs) so you know it's like so often it's 
is like, oh my gosh, I need it this weekend. And it's Wednesday and I'm on the East Coast, you're on the West Coast. Can I get it? You know, so those sort of things, wanting to make sure that like when people order film, they're getting it out that day. So it shows yeah. up, you know, so um, yeah, it was a huge learning curve. I was, I had to pur- I purchase all the inventory myself, which was got me the, all those credit card miles. But <laughs> I mean, when I first launched, I was, my credit cards only had such a limit and I, I was so scared to grow faster than I was growing because by the time and films coming from the East coast over to me on the West coast, and it would take sometimes four days to me to get an order. So I would order what I think would last me for the week. And then by the time the shipment arrived, I would already be sold out from what was arriving. So I'd have to order it. And so it was just like this whole starting to like understand timing of inventory and timing of, you know, like how much are people going to, I had no idea. So it was the most, that was probably one of the more stressful things I've experienced is just having never done that and having to figure that out. Uh, where now I I have um, credit cards with no limits. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And people say film's dead. Come on. Yeah, so exactly. here's, here's sort of the exciting news on that is, I mean, it's it's been a pain in the ass, but Kodak, both Kodak and Fuji, multiple times throughout the year have been out of stock because they've underestimated demand. And the last three years, film has been growing at like somewhere between a five to 15% growth rate. And wow. so Kodak just, hi- um, I think they got a whole new, either, basically they hi- either hired some more people or made a whole new division for their portrait 400, 35 yes. millimeter because they are continu- continually backordered. And that just means that demand is higher than the amount that they're estimating that they need to produce because it's made overseas and it gets blah, 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 blah. It takes a while. Um, but that's, so that's exciting. Like film is on the rise. That's such good news. Yes. I can, I can sleep at night. Yeah. Man. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like you have like some inside information that that's a, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. What's yeah. like, what's like the biggest order? Like do people like, can somebody sign up and just say, okay, I'll probably order like, you know, a couple of rolls a week or a couple of rolls a month or like I'm going to shoot 65 weddings I need. Yeah. So I tried to make it where, I mean, a lot of times if you think of other stores, it's like, okay, if I was to buy a hundred rolls, can you give me a discount? For me, I've already reduced the price as much as I possibly can so mm. that people don't have to spend $2,000 at the beginning of the year and have right. their film stock. Now they can, and, and because I'm turning over for where I always say we're me, I don't Uh, It's it's just me Uh, and my, and my fulfillment team. So instead of ordering in bulk, basically you're not going to save money because I've already reduced the price as much as I can without me losing money on orders. And so then at that point it's like only order what you need for the month and then order each month. So, and Oh, because I'm turning over film so quickly, it's, it's literally fresh straight from Kodak, straight from Fuji to our shelves and it's in a heat resist. I mean, basically it's a temperature controlled room that we keep all the film in. And it's, I mean, within a couple of weeks, the film has been turned over, you know? So, um, wow. I mean, people will buy heavy shooters. When I was first fulfilling myself, I was trying to maximize what certain size boxes were based on shipping costs. And so I can fit, I got very good at Tetris with the different size boxes. <laughs> and so I can fit some, 44 rolls of or packs of Kodak 120 or 40 packs of Fuji 120 stuff like that where um so typically it would be that but I know people are ordering up to like 80 
packs of film and we only sell the, in pro packs except for two three different kinds of film we sell in individual roles man so is it is it just like 35 and 120 or do you branch out and do like four by five or anything like that no, it, i can um for special requests and mm-hmm. back to your question chris um the three rolls of film that we have sold as individual would be cinestill their 800 120 um kodak gold and then in 35 millimeter which I think they only make that. And then also Ectochrome. And it's only because people are just not shooting those in the volume that they shoot the other stuff. Right. Back to your question, Tim, is I think with the initial way that I started out Film Supply Club, it was mostly all pro shooters. And so we, in assuming people are buying in bulk and that. And so that's, that's the hard part is like film in itself has really, really tiny margins, even, even let's say you're selling it at like retail price. And so for me to discount, there's actually not a lot of room for me to even discount. And mm-hmm. then from there, it's like, I'm still needing to make it make sense for people to want to pay a membership fee and then buy film. And then it's, then it came down to shoot. If we are paying this membership fee, are we shooting enough film to justify paying a monthly membership fee to save money? And for the people that are shooting a ton of volume and that made sense, and so basically, and photographers aren't always as good at math to really do those <laughs> calculations and really think ahead and figure that out. So then we started another tier to basically branch off and start hitting people that maybe aren't shooting the volume or more hybrid shooters or they're wanting to get into film. So we have a $5 a month option, which, oh, cool. and it's, and it's a monthly option versus, um, 144 for the annual. So what does the monthly option get you just able to... It's able to buy limited film. at all. Yeah, yeah, it's a limited uh, quantity of film you can buy, but it it's still more than if someone is just shooting, dabbling in film. It's still more than they'd probably be shooting in a month. That's great though, because uh, just recently I was looking on. <clears throat> I used to buy all my film on Amazon, yeah. which is not saving you money. Me. <laughs> yeah, no. no, I mean, and the prices fluctuate so much. Like they'll go, you know, sometimes because I always get the. I don't know if you can see, like the ten packs. Yep, that's what we sell, and. I mean, they can go anywhere from like 46 bucks to just recently I was looking again and they're like $65 for a 10 pack. And it's like, I mean, which is fine. Like I would pay it if that was the only option, you know, like that's, but it's just weird how it goes up and down so much. Totally. Like it, it's, I mean, it's like the price of gold, you know, it goes up (laughs) one month and then down the net. It's, it's funny. Supply and demand. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Did you say? So about probably coming up on almost two years now. Wow. Yeah, about somewhere between a year and a half and closer to two years. That's awesome. Totally. Yeah, and I think it's really a lot of stuff going around too is just my heart behind this, the whole just like how do I support the film shooting community or just photography community in general because I'm a big believer that rising tide rises all ships. And, Mm. you know, so so a lot of, it's a really interesting I guess, industry, especially in the wedding world where a lot of our, like my peers and my friends and we're competitors and we get bid against each other, but we refer each other jobs. And it's like, I'd rather have, you know, Eric get this job than someone I don't know. And Mm -hmm. then, then it comes around too. It's like, you're not shooting every wedding that comes your way. And you might as well, if you're already booked, pass it off to your buddy. And hopefully that comes back around. Um, but that's fun. So hopefully too, within other things that I'm working on is more education pieces within film supply club and that community, whether it's 
magazines. I mean, doing YouTube educational type stuff doing, um, I've got some other visions and dreams for like more community building where Mm. I'm, I also like am a big, (laughs) another thing that I'm a part of, it's called connecting things where it's a once a month speaker series, but it's more of like a live version of the artist report or or the podcasts like this, where we have, it's not, not as much like the other co-founders are illustrators, designers for, they're pretty well known. And so within our community, we get probably 200 people that show up on live for those shows, wow, uh, which is great. really cool. And then we actually have yeah. branches in four different States, <laughs> Wow, um, you know, which, so that's, but it's, it's that whole just entrepreneurial, it's mostly like yes. free freelancers, you know, yeah. so as photographers, we're freelancers for the most part. And that the idea that generally we are by ourselves in front of a computer until mm-hmm. we're shooting, which is extroverted and out there with people, but it's this isolating world where we're comparing ourselves to everything we see everyone else doing on Instagram. And we think that they're doing so much better work. They're traveling to these places. They're doing all these things because we only show the pretty photos of the cool mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so being able to bring people on and, and encourage in a way that, let's even the people that are at the top that, that they look up to are the people that I'm trying to bring on the show or my show. And with that, like being able to ask questions along, like what's still hard, like what are you still struggling with so that people can resonate and be like, Oh wow. Like you still struggle with that. Like it doesn't, Oh, it doesn't get easier. Some things get easier, but then there's different struggles and, and all that, or to help think of the future and how do you like prepare for the future and, stay relevant and all those fun things. When's your next one? Next, next connecting. <laughs> oh yeah. You're in LA, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause I'm first... like, this is what, this is like what I like. One of the things I miss, I used to, sh- I shot weddings for about 10 years and uh, you know, my, my partner and I would go to seminars all the time and just being around, you know, obviously like-minded people. Yeah. Um, one of the, you know, we're having an analog talk podcast meetup in LA and you know, we go to the, I go to the beers and cameras meetups that are always around just because that atmosphere of like being around your people is really cool. But especially in like an education way. Totally. I really, really love that. Um, So yeah, you gotta let me know when the next one is. (laughs) First first Wednesday of the month and it's usually at 7 p.m. And down in Orange County, you can follow connectingthings.co. That's the actual Instagram handle or that's the website as well. But yeah, it's, it's, we have some pretty awesome speakers lined up and anyway, it's free and there's usually food and drinks and cool stuff. So yeah, you should come on down. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I forget... I think it was the Brooke episode that we just had. We were yeah. talking about community and because she does like teaching, she does a, a retreat. Mm-hmm. So she and like the power of two or three or the group or the many kind of just I don't know. I, I encourage that so much to people that they need to get involved in their local film community or art scene. And, you yes. know, thankfully here we have a Friday night art crawl and then Nashville has the Saturday night like first Saturday, we have the first Friday. So it's just really cool. And, and they're always fun. It's always like snacks and booze mm-hmm. and, and art and great conversation. Like if you're, I mean, I'm more so of a homebody. I'm just that way. I'm kind of like a little hermit sometimes <laughs> when it comes down to it. But I'll tell you what, when I do like, you know, get out a fresh shirt and shave and go <laughs> out to one of these things, I, I not only learn so many awesome things, I just have a great experience. And I always forget, you know, the tangible 
like the tangible part of what we do, like seeing art, like that's kind of the main, that's what I love about it. You know, like we were talking earlier about how, you know, I did weddings and I did the, the engagement photos and the senior portraits. And like, there was, I I just was so unhappy doing that, but like just shooting for myself and making prints or even buying a print from another photographer. Like there's just like a, Oh, what is the word? I'm looking for a specific word that's not coming into my brain at the moment. But there's just something about it, you know, and sharing sharing that with other people. Like, I, I really do need to talk to Juan about, like, maybe starting a Beers and Cameras chapter here. Yeah. Because I feel like there, there needs – I know there's other film photographers out here. You know, we need some camaraderie out here. Even, like, Laura, like, that we just had on the show. You know, it's – there's – I don't know. There's just so much more power – in a group than just one yeah and you learn so much even just taking a walk with somebody and shooting some photos with them like you learn five things that they do that you didn't even know that existed mm-hmm. and stuff you know like I, I just love teaching and learning and you should start uh something yeah i need something. to start something <laughs> <laughs> do you know tim do you know tech Pataja? do you know that name no i don't he's not he's in nashville he's in 12 south area uh, okay. Should, I love 12 You should South. look it's up his stuff. He's sick. Uh, shoots all film, commercial, and so T-E-C, and then Pataja, P-E-T-A-J-A. Uh, he's a good buddy of mine, and when I'm out there, I, we end up staying at his house, and his wife is a phenomenal calligrapher, and you know, that they're just hip see? and cool. Oh, see, I love that. There I you love go, that. Tim. Yep. <laughs> they're out there. They are. They are. It's it's crazy. Like how for the longest time until this podcast and like, you know, doing YouTube videos and meeting people that watch and listen, you, you just didn't think anybody was out there. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I'll be waiting in line at Starbucks and there's like, man, you, you do a podcast, don't you? And it's like, yeah, I I do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just weird because now now I see him everywhere. Now I see film cameras everywhere. Yeah. You know, now I, it's just it's really cool. It's really cool. One of my like favorite things that's happened to me was, I mean, I'm, I'm known in the wedding world, Mm -hmm. you know, as a wedding photographer and I show up to this wedding industry event in LA and some girl walks up to me. She's like, wait, what are you you doing here? Like you're, you do the artist report, right? And I was like, I do. And she's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh my gosh, you don't even know that I'm a wedding photographer and you know me from the artist report. How funny. Um, but that was like, I was more stoked on that than like other accolades that I've gotten as a photographer <laughs> that someone yep. had seen that and recognized me from that. Uh, so that was that's fun. so good. I felt the same way. Like when we put two and two together that you did the artist report and yeah, exactly. you know, it, I was just like, no way I've been, I've been watching this guy for years. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. You always, you never really know, like you put those things out into the universe Mm -hmm. and into the Mm -hmm. YouTube sphere and never know who watches them or how they get watched. And you know, exactly. They get seen somehow. Brandon, did you, did you start, did you say you started connect things or is that you're just involved with that? So connecting things, I am one of the like eight people that started it. It started out with, a handful of us just getting coffee and donuts in the morning. It used to be at seven in the morning every, the first seven, yeah, seven in the morning, the first Wednesday of every month, eight. Well, I don't know. It was early. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, you know, we decided a few of like, it's 
one of the guys runs a really big agency. Another one's CEO of a company called Crochet Kids. The other, they're twins and they're designers and they're like have a massive following. And then another one is an illustrator that worked for Nike and a bunch of massive wow. brands. And so, and then the other yeah. ones had a studio. And so we just sort of decided like, hey, let's everyone feels like you've got to be in LA or New York to do cool work. And there's so much talent here in Orange County. Let's start bringing the talent together and see what happens. And we started it and that was almost four years ago. And it's, it's be, I mean, what's funny is we look around and our like friends don't really show up anymore, but it's, you know, a crowded group of, you know, everything from students to people that are just younger in their career to people that, I mean, we have designers from Google and design. I mean, we have some pretty heavy hitters that show up to our things as well, which is cool. Man, that is great. And they're available online, right? Yeah. So I actually, being that I had been doing the artist report for a while, I, my involvement was like, oh, maybe I can just like add this to my channel. So for a while I was putting a lot of the videos up on my artist report channel and then we started a connecting things channel, but I actually record and edit all of those videos, which has been the biggest pain in my tail. Oh, sure. Video <laughs> editing is, I, I dun, probably dun, have dun. like, I don't know, eight that I have not done uh, yet, but I keep putting my stuff as priority. Whoops. <laughs> but yeah, so a lot of them are recorded and I've for a long time, for almost a year, I've been wanting to actually turn them into a podcast. But then I always get overwhelmed by thinking I've got to go back. How many ep- like, 40, 72. Uh, that's Whoa. a lot of episodes to yeah. go back and like start, or do I just start now? I don't know. But obviously podcast would be the best format because it's way easier to listen to something than watch something. I just want to kind of talk about all the things you have going on. Seem, you know, you have the channel and the, the film. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I just really admire that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of it has come out of, to. I'm, I'm pretty visual being a photographer, mm-hmm. but this analogy of like a a water balloon getting squished, you know, and then it sort of shoots off in all these different directions where I feel like I am at least with in the wedding world. I don't know how much more I can charge. It just simple rule of economics. I don't know how much more I can charge. I'm pretty like top level, higher end for pricing. And I don't really want to be booked more than I'm, I mean, I could probably be booked a little bit more than I'm booked, but I'm already with all of the things that I'm juggling I am maxed out. And so there's the part of me that constantly looks at that. And it's like my buddy tech, who I just mentioned, he lives in Nashville. They bought in 12 South a lot of years ago. So they probably got in there for like $200,000 where their house is now worth over a million. Oh yeah. And the, you know, but we compare, like we book about the same quantity of weddings. We charge about the same rate and in Nashville and his wife also kicks ass at doing what she does. But in Nashville, he is rich and here in Orange County, I am broke. Yeah. And and it's like, it's really, it's cause it's discouraging because I, I make, and this is not bragging. This is actually me just, I, this is where my desperation comes from is that I make a lot of money and I'm broke, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I don't know how much more money I can make. And then I constantly, I'm looking at, you know, I'm getting closer to 40. I'm, I'm still 37. So, uh, but I mean, it feels like it. And then I look, okay, 10 years from now, I'm, I'm close to 50. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I still going to be getting booked like this? Mm-hmm. Am I still going to be like with how saturated it is and how low the barrier is to entry? Like, yeah, there is something to experience. And yeah, there is I, I talk about this a lot on, on my podcast is that I, I feel like it's really hard to be in the middle, 
it's yeah. easier. I mean, I'm at the higher end and then the lower end is just devastating to be at, yeah. you know, that whole race to the bottom, which is <laughs> gross, but the, that middle of the road is really difficult to be in. And I, so there is this something where it's like, yes, I shoot in the celebrity space. Yes. I shoot that. I work like some of the highest end wedding planners will trust me with their clients and they, they wouldn't trust someone who they don't know those sort of things. So it's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be a total dork in the next 10 years, but it's still like really scary because if I don't, if I book just a couple less, it's like, sh- I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage, you know? Mm. And so yeah. I'm constantly trying to figure out, I, I love what I do, but I'm also trying to figure out how do I, sort of set myself up so that when I'm 50, I have something else that I'm not just yeah. like screwed. You don't have to work so hard. Right. I mean, that's usually totally. the plan. You, yeah. you kind of want to retire at some point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can be so, shooting weddings till you're 80. Yeah. Which, which probably is not the case. I, and there's, I was talking to someone who was uh, basically, we were talking about a wedding planner that is really, really well-known famous really successful she's getting old and she was basically confessing to that person saying it's like i don't i have to work for another like 15 years i don't Uh, i have not mm -hmm. saved well and not you know any of that where i i do not want to be in that boat you know so i'm doing everything to try to have multiple sources of income you know i'm doing a lot on the education stuff i'm doing a lot on just i i have a lot of bigger plans that I'm trying to, you know, I've need to wait a little bit. I've, I've been writing a book for a while. Um, I don't even want to say my working title, but it's, it's basically around the writing to freelancers and with some of the stuff we we're talking about earlier is like the struggles. And I, I listen to literally, uh, I listen to audio and I read books, but I, I go through about a business book a week. So I, I listen wow. to tons of books, tons of podcasts, and they're all business related podcasts, except for, you know, analog talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so a lot of that, I mean, I'm starting to invest in real estate and yeah. I'm really big on everyone that I know. And I, I live in a very, very wealthy area. And so it's like, I drive my kids in my Volvo, my <laughs> nine, 2006 Volvo, you know, where everyone else at my kids school, because we're on the poor side of the rich town. We go to a private school where every other car is yeah. you know, Mercedes, Porsche, Bentley, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's like, I, I am like the poor guy in my neighborhood, but you know, trying, trying to, <laughs> <laughs> Do what I can, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like the one of the things like people forget about freelance is like you got to think about your own four hundred one k. You know, totally. You yeah. got to start saving and. Yeah, I mean, it, when educating other like younger photographers, I say, listen, live as cheaply as you can, save yeah. as much as you can, and I promise yeah. you will thank me later. You yeah. Know, it, however, you like save as much as you possibly can because you don't want to be in a position where you're desperate and you yeah. need it, like that whole like compounding interest and being able to you can read a ton of different books. I started reading Tony Robbins latest book on money, which Tony Robbins, I think he's phenomenal, but he's also sometimes cheesy and he's definitely speaking to an audience that is a Tony (laughs) Robbins audience. So he's really trying to convince you on the mindset around money. But, Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I can't even think about it, but it's the Tony Robbins like money book. It's his newest book. I think it's, it's really like, it's, it's right spot on with what you need to be doing with how you are saving. And no matter how much you're making, there's always something you could do to be saving. Uh, so that would yeah. be, if you, if you leave with anything, <laughs> <laughs> leave freelancers. With totally. Yeah, exactly. 
man that's what scares me about you know because we've we've lived uh my girlfriend and i we've lived in nashville for you know going on seven years and we left pennsylvania because pennsylvania there it's beautiful there you know family's there but there's you know no no work Mm -hmm. you know there's nothing of interest it's just getting worse and worse with like crime and poverty and and all that stuff so it was like do we continue to live like that or do we try to you know move on and make something of ourselves and get out of you know that kind of area and we moved here and it was like you know what i'll give i'll give the nashville area 10 years you know i'll Mm -hmm. give it a chance and see what i can do and pull out of this area and you know honestly it's been the best you know seven years i've had in a long time you know i'm not getting any younger and i'm (laughs) passionate again about things and stuff like that and it's like well what's next i said 10 years i'd give here you know i'd love to move out to like la or new york but just like the cost of living is is ridiculous like why you know it's 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 expensive here compared to how it was there. I couldn't even imagine what like taxes and property would be in like LA or even just middle of the nowhere California would be I'm sure skyrocketed prices. So, I think we're kind of rethinking and <laughs> Yeah, I think you're in a good place. We kind of like it here. <laughs> totally. Uh, I don't know. Well, we you know, we might be joining you. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it really we my wife and I have been having a lot of those conversations. We've looked at Franklin where you are, we've looked at Nashville, yeah. we've looked at Austin. Um, we looked at Portland, you know, you gotta be some, if you're moving somewhere, she knows that she can only move me to a few cities in the, uh-huh. in the country yeah. that yeah. would be like, yeah. needs to have some sort of a hip, you know, I need to be able to creative. see good music and I need to be right. able to like be around other creative people. Mm-hmm. Probably about 10 years ago, people said that it was just like nonstop moving here. They used to say eight people a day would move here. Well. Now it's estimated in like the hundreds yeah, a day. Yeah, I don't day even want to know what LA is. And I go to Starbucks. I know, hate me for it. I'm sorry. But I'll go to Starbucks in the morning and I'll stand in line and I have like the regulars of people. We all, you know, kind of banter and talk every day. And this guy, just like your friend said, he bought like a $200,000 house, think about 10 years ago, and he just closed on selling it and he sold it for 1.7. You know, no upgrades just the way it was the way they kept it you know and he somebody just came and offered him and he was like he wasn't even trying to sell but he's like for that you know (laughs) yeah you know and he's you know just a wife just a little three-piece family little wife baby and stuff and it's like it's amazing how much it's grown here but it's still it's 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 beautiful here and i definitely think have you been here? Have you visited yeah, yeah, this area? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's definitely got it going on. There's plenty of fun music and art and, you know, like I was saying, the first Fridays and Saturdays. And then there's all kinds of galleries in Nashville. There's 12 South and, you know, there's all these little East Nashvilles yeah. and all kinds of fun stuff here, man. So do you not feel like, is Franklin not super Pleasantville for you? Oh, it's just, um. well, when you're here for so long, yeah. it's got, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. This is a good thing. But it's a, it's, it's definitely a lot smaller than, you know how these things go. Totally. Like towns kind of, yeah. you know, shrink and it's a lot smaller than it looked when you first got here. When I first got here, I was like, oh man, this is, there's so much to explore. And now it's kind of like, I know the secret way to get here and mm-hmm. 15 minutes rather than 30 yeah. you know yeah. it, it's just you know the kind of new is the new war off so i'm just kind of like no complaints no complaints yeah, yeah. we'll be right back with the listener question for brayden right after this message from our sponsor support for analog talk also comes from polaroid originals go to polaroidoriginals.com and use the offer code analog talk 10 at checkout to receive 10 percent off your next purchase 
All right, guys, this is the part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Ryan. And he asks, how do you go about pricing weddings in such a competitive market? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a really great question there, Ryan. And the so pricing is I... I view it in a lot of different ways. And I really believe that the way that you price yourself is something that sets a perception of how you mm-hmm. are received. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, granted, you have to be able to have the skill set to back it up. But like what I said in the very beginning of the episode, when I took on that commercial property job for $2,500 when I'd never done it before, I just knew I was getting paid to learn and I knew I was going to pull it off. But for something like Love a- that. Yeah, but for something like a wedding, I mean, my very, I I was already a photographer, so I wasn't just a beginner, got a camera, and now I'm shooting weddings. I was already shooting fashion and I, I felt capable, but I have a lot of friends who had, I mean, they were in business for probably like five to six years after this, and they were still priced lower than my first year starting price point. So, I mean, wow. I started out my very first year shooting at a, it was like 5,500 was what I would charge. And then basically the, the way that I would do that is it was sort of a way for me to, I, I also didn't have to be shooting weddings at that stage. So I was able to be picky and it's like, I didn't, I wasn't needing to shoot 60 weddings that time. So yeah. with that, I was able to, and I always wanted to meet with couples. I never gave out my pricing and they would, I would meet with them. I, I created a studio. We actually like the house that we were living in got, I convinced the landlord to let me put hardwood flooring in the bottom floor. My, oh, my dad's nice. in that business. <laughs> so got him a deal and whatever, but it was like, I always met with people or I tried, if I couldn't meet with them, I always called them and I didn't really, I never have had my pricing on my website because I wanted the chance to be able to like, see if, is this someone I wanted to work with? Is this someone I wanted to photograph yep. and spend yep. my free time or my weekend with? And with that, I would, if, if, they were someone that I really vibed with and I was really excited about their style, about their venue. Then at that stage, I, I always also like, and, um, if anything, if you listen to like the art of negotiations, if, if you never want to give your price first, (laughs) you always want to, I, you, I've always tried to get them to talk first and I, I'm, always I'm talking about them and I'm getting them to talk. I'm not really talking about myself until finally it's like, I get to a point where it's like, oh, you want me to tell you a little bit about photography and how I do it? Like, oh yeah, of course. And (laughs) so from there, I get to the point in our conversation, it might be 45 minutes in, might be an hour in, where then I would say, hey, so either I know that they've already met with photographers or I know that they're the first one. It's like, do you guys have any idea what you have budgeted for photography for your wedding? Mm -hmm. And then they're able to say, oh, you know, we were thinking about this. And sometimes, you know, that answer would be, $3,500, you know, and sometimes that answer would be $7,500. And, you know, so within that, I mean, that still happens when you're asking pricing, you know, there's, there's a wedding and whenever I'm even booked now, I will still say, Hey, listen, I've got a ton of friends that are photographers. Oh, and I meant to talk about this earlier too. It's like one of the other awesome things about film supply club is I have this amazing network of photographers all over the country that yeah. are just killer. Oh, yeah. So I, oh, yeah. I get a lot of jobs that I can't take that are in different areas, or I now have a couple different companies that do either conferences all over the country. And I was like, Hey, listen, I will actually set you up with photographers in France, uh, France, and I can do that too. But in, <laughs> um, 
you know, San Francisco or Florida. And so I have got, or now when I travel for work, I don't fly my assistants with me. I now just, when I flew to Nashville, I got two people from Nashville. I had a wedding in Knoxville at a Blackberry farm. And I had two people from Nashville that were film supply club members that came and drove out, you know, so able to do that. And that's, that's another thing I'm trying to Mm -hmm. uh, do more connections with is just, again, like, build the community and and help people help people. And so, but with pricing, I was able to then read from them. It's like, okay, listen, you have $3,500 budgeted. I, and then I would say, usually I started about 5,500, right? But man, I really, really like you guys. And I, I would only say this if that was the truth. And I really want to be a part of your wedding. It's like, I, don't have to shoot your wedding. I would like to shoot your wedding. And so maybe can, do you think you can come up a little bit? And what if I came down a little bit, we can meet in the middle. So then he's like, I'm making more than they would have had budgeted. And it's a wedding that I know is probably going to get featured because they're a really hip, cool couple. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's going to be fun to shoot back in that first year of photographing 65 weddings between April and December. I I had several weekends where I had three weddings back to back. And one wedding, if you've ever shot a wedding, is really exhausting. You are mm-hmm. on, you've got to oh, be yeah. charming, you've got to be directive, you've got to be thinking, you have to be smiling, you know, all of those things. And plus on top of the gear and all that, it's, yeah. and it's sometimes like a 10 to 12 hour day plus drives on either side. We used to call it the wedding hangover the next day. Yeah, totally. So (laughs) you would think on the third wedding of a weekend, you would just be dead. So for me, I was more energized on that third wedding than I was on the either two. And it was because, and that that was like a huge revelation for me. It's like, oh, the people that I'm working with and their friends and the style, that is what energizes me. That is what gets me going. And so I had to come to realize like, that's the most important thing for me. It could be the most expensive budget in the deal. It's like that is going to sometimes suck the life out of me where mm. these things are more life giving and they're fun. I really like being that's a part of this. That's how you keep it fun. That's, that's totally, that's awesome. Totally. And I still, I still take on a couple weddings that are way under my budget a year just because I know they're going to be fun and life giving mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. just sort of in the middle of the other stuff that's really high end. But I guess that's getting to a really long answer on pricing is pricing sets perception. It's like you look at Louis Vuitton handbags versus a bag you pick up from Target and it's priced. Does it do the same thing? Yeah. Is it better quality? Maybe, probably. But it's got that logo on it and Mm -hmm. people know that you spend a lot of money on it and therefore you are this sort of person, therefore this, you know, but there's something about pricing. Like, you know, that if you're paying for something more that you're getting better quality. And even this is the other thing that would happen is so that couple, let's say that they booked me for, uh, we settled at $4,000 and, or even maybe it was $3,500. They, know that I was a, a, you know, $5,500 photographer that was out of their budget. They, they like my work, which is why they reached out. So they like my work. They know that like, oh, wow, we can't really afford him. Now it's this situation where I've given them a deal. They're grateful and they value me more because they know that I'm more expensive versus if I was a $3,500 photographer and then I came down to 2,500, there's just something mental that happens where you're not quite as valued. Yeah. 
So there, that's something that I learned really early on and it, it just has made a huge difference. It's allowed me. And then if it's a couple that I'm not that keen on, I, my price is just, sorry, I can't budge on my price, you know? And then at that stage, it's like, I'm priced high enough where at that price, it's sort of worth it for me to get, Mm -hmm. you know, paid to do that. And it'll be a job, but, um, that, that has been the best thing. And I, I would say, you know, test, if, if you're doing it that way, it that's one way for you to be able to test your market. It's really scary yep. to increase your prices. Uh, and, and for whatever industry that is, you know, commercial, whatever kind of job you're trying to get, it's always scary to increase your prices because like you hit the certain point where your normal like range of referrals are probably in this range of yeah. price. And then once you get outside of that, it's like, oh, shoot, where am I going to get those jobs? You know, and I would say there's there's definitely in the wedding world, there's a price point that the general lead, like let's say someone found me online or they found me on Instagram and they're reaching out. They don't have a wedding planner and it's like, hey, we like your work. We'd love to work with you. Do you have a wedding planner? No. They I I pretty much know 90% of the time they cannot afford me. They're, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm out of the budget, you know? And so, but that that sort of happened. They, that range could go up to like, like 7,500. You're put like 6,500 is sort of the max of that, maybe 5,000. And then it's like wedding for our wedding planner referral. But then even like in California, which is crazy, most of like Orange County, at least like you start maxing out like 7,500 to 8,000. And yep. then once, once you get out of that now, like none of these referrals are working anymore. And so now it's like where those other, like the other referrals coming from. And I mean, I had a, a couple of years when I was jumping between brackets that, got really scary. I was like, Oh shoot. Like, Oh, I'm yeah. not, I'm not quite booked enough. You know, yes, I'm, I'm booking weddings at a higher price point, but I'm still sort of broke. It's mm. crazy. It's always hard to remember that it's a two way street. Like you mm-hmm. just kind of interviewing them as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, I really I, like that. Yeah. I really like that. I wish I would have remembered that, <laughs> you know, when I was doing that do yeah. you, kind of stuff. Do you find you ever have to like convince the client? Cause a lot of times we'll, you know, I would be like, oh, well, I'm, I, I'm a hybrid shooter. I shoot a lot of film. This is why. And, and people are like, well, can you just, you can just do ours like on, on digital. And I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so, and I know you've asked that a few to a few different of your guests on here, mm-hmm. you know, about how do they convince their clients, especially if it's like not a wedding or if it's like a commercial job. And for me, it's just, there's, there's two different things on that. There, I've always just, this is what I do. You know, and so I don't, I'm not necessarily asking for a budget based on film. You know, when I'm, when I'm in that sort of interview process, I'll also get to a point when I'm talking about it. I was like, Hey, one of the other things I do is I shoot a lot of film. I don't know if you know that some people are hiring me just because of that. Some people have no idea, but if you like what you've seen on my website, if you like my work, it's because of the cameras that I'm using and the lenses I'm using and the film that I'm using. So it's just what I do, you know? And if, if people want a digital look, I say, listen, every, everything on my website is film. And so if you were right. wanting me to shoot digital, right. it's nothing like you see. And so there's a lot of other photographers that do that. And that I, I don't do that, you know, so that's not why you would hire me. And then same deal for some of the commercial jobs. Like if I'm shooting our, somehow we got distracted. You asked if I'm doing that at all anymore, but I shoot um, architectural, like interior photography for either builders or architects. And so most of that I'm shooting digital because there's no need to shoot that in film. Right. Right. Yeah. And, or, or other, like if it's an editorial job, they might need it tomorrow. Right. True. You know, so that uh, 
I, I use Richard Photo Lab in LA and they work with a lot of commercial photographers. So if you send it in, you can say, Hey, I need this tomorrow and they'll, they'll turn it around for you. Oh, wow. Um, they have a pretty quick turnaround in general, but like those are things they're used to working with commercial photographers to that degree. That's just, you know, you're paying double the price and Mm -hmm. that gets expensive. Yeah. But yeah. So, but even for commercial jobs, so let's say I am shooting a lookbook for a brand, you know, lookbook is just going to be a model in front of, you know, a couple of models or a model in front of a backdrop and it's pretty standard. And realistically that's mostly being shot digital unless it's going to be like something used in a cool editorial looking piece that's shot very artistic most of the time, not, but, um, I, I went out to the photo expo in Palm Springs. I've been there mm-hmm. a couple of times once to see, um, I almost said Paul Ockenfeld, uh, Frank Ockenfels was one. And then, um, do you guys know his work? No, oh, no. my gosh. Especially you, Tim, being a music guy, you need to look up Frank Ockenfels. It's Frank Ockenfels the third. So it's, I think his URL is Frank Ockenfels three. Dude, it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> Seriously, right. he shoots all film. <laughs> he shoots digitally now, but um, huge background in music. So his class is the unique portraiture. But then I also went out another year and saw Art, Art Stryber. Do you know oh, that? Oh, I love Art Stryber. So, yes. You know, commercial photographer. And one of the things that he said, which was something I was already doing, but it was, he put words to it, which is, it's like, listen, editorial photography, it doesn't pay that much. And, so I could heat for him and he's, he is a hustler and he, he says, listen, editorial photography always for me was my personal work. And yeah. so there's something, they would have a vision and I would shoot that, but then I would do that shot for them. And then I'd go do a shot for me. So mm-hmm. on any of these things, I'm maybe spending more money sometimes than what they're paying me because I brought in my whole crew, but I'm going to go take a shot that resonates with me and what I see, but I'm also going to give them their shot. And then they have something to choose between, but this is the shot that I like. Um, Same deal for me is like, I would go and shoot a lookbook for a company. I'm shooting most of that digital, but in between shots or in between changing, I'd have the model go over by the window and I'd shoot a frame there, or I would do something different and I'd shoot a couple of frames of film. And so, and then I'd also shoot, I love Polaroid. I'd shoot, I have a, mm-hmm. I still have several bags full of 3000 B and some hundred C. Ooh. Uh-huh. Ooh. And so I bought a lot of that when it was going out of, you know, existence, which is sad. Yeah. 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 But yeah. So, so that is another thing too, is I always, it's one, it's just something that I do. Um, right. And then, and, I shoot it, even if I haven't been paid for it, I shoot it more so because that's the stuff that's going to resonate Same. with me. And it's the only right. stuff that I'm ever going to show versus like the digital image of whatever. So even if they didn't pay for it, I'm still going to shoot it because that's the stuff I'm proud of. And that's what, yeah, that's, I guess what I do. I love that though. I love like taking advantage of the situation mm-hmm. by grabbing, you know, something out of it that, I mean, especially if you're putting your own, you know, money in all kinds of stuff like that into it. You might as well mm-hmm. get get exactly. something else out exactly. of it as well. And then when there's been a whole production set up as well, it's like, man, those there some of those things that are just literally by a window in between outfits or like uh, right before lunch and we're everyone's right. taking a break. They are I've I've come away with some of my absolute favorite images that That's I love. Awesome. Yeah. Good good answer. Great question. <laughs> Should we do the tough yeah. question now, Timothy? Oh, the old tough mm-hmm. question. So you know, the island, the desert, <laughs> the camera. 
What would it be? What would it be? Yeah. What would why? it be? There can only be one. You can only use one. <laughs> so, forever. F- I man, I have a camera for every purpose. And yep. every time I leave a camera behind, <laughs> it just, I need it, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I have a video that shows that, Chris, you you brought up on YouTube. If you search my name, it's sort of just like how the gear that I bring on a trip and I sort of put it on. And I, I literally wear four cameras at a time. And <laughs> I mean, if I had to only shoot with one camera for a job, it would probably be the Contact 645, yeah. which I, mm. I have two of those. And I usually... Um, actually have a phase one back that works with the contacts as well, which is pretty oh, cool. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Um, but I w- it would probably be that. I mean, but I 35 millimeter, I really, I shoot the Canon EOS one V and then I also have a one, I have several one end bodies up, <laughs> up there. And I mean, those are so good for just being able to like shoot and then autofocus is nice when you need mm-hmm. it. And I use that more oh. in low light and I use that, where it's anything that's further away that's really going to need it where then I use I use the contacts mostly for portrait work and like tight details when you can shoot it that 2.0 and just it has just beautiful Uh, bokeh that's awesome good answer so the second the second part is there anything that you're lusting after the white whale the old Moby Dick is there anything (laughs) floating out there that that you've had your eye on for for a couple years or months or days or weeks oh yeah I I would kill for an X-Pan oh man you and me both like that is at the top of my list yeah I just love that camera I Mm. I would like to have a Leica, but I just don't like the rangefinder. It is so slow for me. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I've got. I know Chris, you shoot with that little Canonette. I found. Mm-hmm. I got one of those. I found it for a while. I just can't shoot. I hate shooting with a rangefinder. I used to carry wow. that around. I would carry that around and keep black and white in. And then I have a K Pentax K one thousand. That was actually my dad's. That I, usually those I would have those two in a bag where I always have one black and white and one color when I'm like walking around New York or something like that. Um, but I just don't, I'm, I'm not confident enough with a rangefinder, and I, I yeah, sort of like a little wish tri- that I was. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. It's it just, you get It's practice. Totally. I know yeah. some like a shooters who are, who are like, whoosh, Oh yeah. Like, so quick with that. And I'm like, man, that would take me, I'd have to be like, all right, <laughs> I just, well, see, I've, I've been shooting rangefinders yeah. for the last like two years. Yeah. I'm so used to exactly. it. Exactly. All right, so maybe I give it another you go. Just gotta practice. That's all. That's all. You guys yourself yeah, a like it. it. Is. Well, the both both great answers, both great. Yes. Now I need a cam- now I need to buy a camera. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for uh, coming to chat with us. This has been been so fun. Yeah, this is great, and definitely like some knowledge was dropped mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. I hope so. Hope so. It was really fun getting to talk with you guys. Where can everybody check you out? Yeah, I guess Instagram would be just a lot of the things are just my name. So Braden Flynn, B-R-A-E-D-O-N. My mom spelled it that way, you know, just went with it. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I've Thanks, got, mom. you could, I do a lot. I'm trying to do a lot more educational type videos on um the, on YouTube, which would be my name. You could just search Braden Flynn. If you want to see any of the artist report, that is on, you could just search the artist report on YouTube. And then podcast would be the photo report podcast. There's 10 episodes, I think, on the artist report, but I'm putting all of my energy in. I 
recording about three episodes a week right now nice for the the photo report podcast and we've had some really really great guests on there a lot of wedding photographers but we're branching out of that and i've i've got a lot of people lined up that are awesome and 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 that's again more just like the business side of being a photographer Mm -hmm. which is sort of my heart and then the photo report oh you know what i i made a page that i'm going to be making live on the which channel on film one of those companies film supply club (laughs) and for your listeners so if you go to film supply dot club slash analog talk oh awesome um, you can get $10, basically if you sign up as a member, as an annual member, so you can do $5 a month or $60 annually um, at that, it's called the hybrid pro level. And then there's the film pro level, uh, which is 144. But basically if you sign up at an annual level, you'll get 10, I'll send you a $10 gift card to use towards your first order. Oh, that's awesome. so awesome. Save you some money Thanks on so film. Um, another thing too, like there's a lot of, people don't utilize them as much, but as a member, we have a full section where I spent almost all of last year sort of business development of bringing on different partners. So as a film supply club member, you get discounts on this and that like gallery oh, hosting. Cool. Great, um, great. Richard Photo Lab, my lab is there a partner which now, there's actually a third tier that you pay for, but you end up getting an automatic 10% discount at their lab, which ends up adding up really quick and basically paying for the oh, membership yeah. if you use them. If you sign up at the film pro level, uh, Richard Photo Lab, if you're not a user, they can they'll give you five free rolls processed wow. as a film supply club member, and that's as just basically as a way to try out their lab. And I think they are phenomenal. Yeah, uh, they're yeah, great. Totally. So those are some things, but yeah, check them out. Film Supply Club. Save yourself some money on film. Woo! Awesome. Timothy, what about you? Guys, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm back on the tweet tweet <laughs> at Timothy Makeups. And uh, I also am uh, reviving the YouTube channel. I, I have some stuff coming out here. <laughs> you! <laughs> I have some fun stuff coming out in the next couple weeks and months. Uh, man, a bunch of big ideas too for shows and just fun stuff that I want to do that you know I think Stella got her groove back yeah. and she'll be posting more on the YouTubes so just go to the search bar search timothy.makeups too it's real simple and uh, yeah that's it for me Chris where are you at? So I am Crispy Photo on Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter and Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram we have a Facebook page you can like in a group you could come hang out in, post stuff share photos, all the things and that's it. Where did Timothy awesome. makeups come from? Man, uh, long story short, it was just kind of like a like a make believe. Like he makes up like makeups, you know, like uh, Timothy it, makes up. I don't stuff. know. It was just makeup stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of. I made electronic music, and it was like my tag for that. And like I was into like you know stencil and graffiti art and stuff like that and it was just like i liked the way it flowed so i just kind of kept it you don't have a background of makeup artistry no no and it's funny because like i was signing up for something and i forget where i was it was like a bank or something and the girl's like oh word you do makeup and i'm like no it's it's not (laughs) i was like no i wish i wish i was that cool but no it's just a it's just a tag name well thanks so much for having me on you guys yeah oh yeah this was great This is awesome. You got it. All right, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.
First off, we want to thank Brayden for being on the show. Thanks for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to chat with us about the business of photography. I can't tell you how much we learned and soaked in in this episode, as I'm sure all the listeners out there did as well. Thanks again so much. And guys, head over to Film Supply Club. Check it out. Check out Brayden's Instagram and all that fun stuff going to take us to the patreon guys head over to patreon.com slash analog talk we have a bunch of fun stuff over there we just kind of revamped everything and we're pushing out a bunch of new stuff for 2019 uh we have our first uh after show with george from negative feedback if you guys haven't seen that that's over on the five dollar tier head over there check it out you know even if five dollars isn't your thing you know any little bit helps and for all the patreons that have already been supporting us thank you guys so much we appreciate every single one of you and uh yeah guys we'll see you next week with an all-new episode cool see you soon